Welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. My name is Justin Corey. For those of you who don't know me, I'm glad you're listening. For those of you who listen often, thank you for coming back. 2018, shit, it's almost halfway over at this point. And when I am putting this together, I'm realizing that it's the middle of April, which basically means May, which almost means June, which means the middle of the year. So I apologize for my lackadaisical uh, attitude so far this year. It's been uh, it's been kind of rough. However, I do have a ton of really great content. I've had the opportunity to speak to some amazing winemakers and owners and distillers uh, throughout uh, a good portion. Uh, of the year, and, and it's just going to be a really fun season here on WizardOfWhiskey.com and, of course, the Wizard of Whiskey podcast. Uh, for those who don't uh, follow me on the social media, uh, definitely follow uh, me on Twitter, at Wizard of Whiskey, Instagram, same thing, uh, and, of course, you can follow my pages on um, <clears throat> on Facebook, Wizard of Whiskey, and, of course, uh, Bevfluence. Bevfluence is an organization that I belong to, co-founded with several other bloggers and podcasters uh, and media uh, moguls uh, who all believe in the the message of uh, properly presenting uh, a story and doing it very well. Uh, We also have a love for craft and a love for uh, for things that are that are small in nature uh, when it comes to production. So um, we're a really fun group, and if you have the opportunity to check us out, definitely check us out at bevfluence.com. Uh, I had the chance to interview uh, someone who is uh, eccentric, to say the least. His name is John fucking Caldwell. Uh, this is the nickname that was not bestowed <laughs> by me, but by someone else. And uh, if you go to the uh, winery and you want to buy some glassware, uh, you can actually get a name... Uh, a glass that uh, has his name on it that says John fucking Caldwell. So, um, really cool guy. Uh, just the most down-to-earth, um, no more uh, fucks to give kind of kind of person. Uh, so, uh, interviewing him and then tasting through his wines was incredible. Uh, you can actually see the, um, the, the notes on the website, wizardofwhiskey.com, when you click on uh, the website, you can see the tasting notes and the pictures. Uh, so definitely go and do that. Um, the wines are, are worth it. So I definitely recommend you joining one of their wine clubs or, or just going to the winery and picking up uh, you know, as much as you can. It's definitely seller-worthy stuff. So um, that was one of my big focuses this year is is tasting through things that were seller-worthy, tasting through things that were <clears throat> exceptional. Uh, and so there's just really fun... Uh, probably 20 episodes coming your way uh, this season, uh, starting with this one. So cheers, and uh, I hope you guys are having a much better 2018 than I am. I am here today with who is quickly becoming one of my favorite people in the world, John Caldwell. How are you doing today, John? Oh, I'm doing great today. This is a fabulous day in Napa. It is gorgeous. This view, I have to tell you, um, for those of you who who can only hear me, that sucks for you. Um, definitely get out here. Um, it's the drive alone is uh, is worth coming out here. But uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about your history, John. Tell us how you got to, how this all came about. Well, I bought the original 54 acres back in 1974, and we ended up with 123. So it's a nice sized parcel now. 
But the 54, um, that's all I could have afforded back in uh, 74. The lady wanted $120,000 for it and took five grand as my down payment. So back in 74, I ended up with 54 acres in Napa Valley, which turned out to be a pretty damn good deal. You yeah, know? a little bit. I'll bet Google's probably better return on capital or maybe Facebook, but I did okay. And then I, then I got to live here too, which is yeah. pretty cool. There you go. Ended up with about 65 planted acres of grapes. Um, I viewed it as a research project from day one. We ended up with two whites, a uh, Sauvignon Blanc and a Chardonnay, and eight reds. Uh, we have the five Bordeaux varieties, Cab, Cab Sauve, Cab Franc, Cab Sauve, Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. And then I planted Syrah back in 89 or 90, thinking that was gonna be the next great grape. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up planting Carmenere and Tanat, T-A-N-N-A-T. Um, that turned out to be absolutely fabulous. So in my experimentation, I would say if I had to choose one grape, it would be Cab Sauv. But with Tanat and Carmenere, I think I'd have to add those two to any new vineyard in Napa Valley. They're both incredible. Uh, you might be able to taste one today. The sounds, Carmenere, sounds I'm totally great. out. It flies oh. out of here, but uh, I might have some Tanat for you. I'm, I'm excited about that. I. I love the uh, the fact that you're doing what for you know the past 40 years have been considered South American varietals, but they were originally French, as you know. They were originally um, French, yes. Yeah. So I mean, the, and it's the perfect climate out here. I don't know it's why the people. It's the perfect are, climate for Why them. people are so afraid? That, um, so my next question: Why are people so afraid to do things? <coughs> a, a lot of I think maybe it's not afraid, but um, 30, 40 years ago when Napa started. Uh, we didn't have world-class material here, clonal material. We had one clone of Malbec, and it was a terrible clone, would hardly ever set. Uh, we had no clones of Carmenere, so couldn't plant that. Um, the Tanat that we had was from the Central Valley, and it was, it was for production. I mean, it wasn't for wine quality. Um, and so a lot of, and Petit Verdot is another one. Uh, it, it was a terrible clone that we had from the University of California. So uh, actually one of, part of my life has been uh, focused on French clones of all the different varieties. And uh, back in uh, 95, I brought a whole collection to the United States. We ended up with over 60 different clones from France. And in those, of course, I chose Tanat, Malbec, Tupidot, Cab Franc, for example, too, Merlot, better clones. And now that we have all these wonderful clones from France, um, you'll see a lot more of these varieties planted. You'll see them, you'll see them start. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I, uh, like I said, today was all about exploring Napa that, uh, forgive the term, that, that Costco hasn't heard of. You know, I, I don't want, you know, as much as I love Groff, and, and believe Michael Weiss is one of my favorite people, and, and I love the wines, and I've got you know some sitting down, but uh, I wanted to, to try something new, so I'm really excited to try uh, your wines and. Oh well, we'll try some interesting yeah, wines for you today. Definitely, definitely um, excited about that. Um, <coughs> the piece of ground that I lucked out, mm -hmm. okay, forty some years ago, turned out to be gold. I mean, without this wonderful piece of ground. A lot of what I'm saying would just be so-so. I mean, uh, it turned out to be a magic piece of ground. 
the Coombsville area turned out to be fabulous. Now we've had enough experience to know that it's a great place for Cabernet. And um, 30 years ago, when I started my 37 years ago, when I started the vineyard, people would, or the experts would recommend that I planted Pinot or Chardonnay because they didn't think it was warm enough. So I lucked out. Bought a great piece of ground. Let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. What are what are the soils here typically? Are they are they um, well? It, it, this foam uh, if you I've got a picture Balkan. of the Coombsville Appalachian from up about twenty thousand feet, and you will see that it was an enormous caldera at one time, five or six million years ago. It was such a massive volcano that it collapsed on itself and it became a caldera. Well, you can imagine all the different soils that are in the Coombsville caldera. And we're on the north or southern rim. We're, this is actually the rim right here where we're standing. Uh, on the other side, it's different soil on the other side of that creek. So here is the southern rim of the old caldera. And we're aching clay on the top two and a half feet. And then it's solid ash underneath for about 150 feet. So when I built my cave, I just poured right into that. We didn't run into any soil, any hard rock, any gravel, any water. It was solid ash. Nice. So it makes a Coombsville a really, really interesting area with all the different soil types and all. Um, and the weather is perfect for cat. Just the right temperature. Excellent. Excellent. What, uh, what's the oldest thing you have in your library? The oldest wine? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I have a 98, nice. uh, which is our first red. Uh, 98 was a kind of a cool vintage, and so my Cab Franc really wasn't that good, and my Merlot was okay, my Cab was pretty good, so I blended a little Syrah in it, and so my 98 has Syrah in it, and it turned out fabulous. Nice. So, in a cool vintage, we made some good wine, and that really kind of started me off because it sold well and it kind of sucked me into the wine business. Nice. Nice. This is, uh, with the breeze and this, this is, is just a bet. The, the, the breeze best time I've had, is know, one of the reasons Coonsville has turned out to be so good for Cab, Cab Franc, Merlot, the Bordeaux varieties. Um, is because, see, we're right next to the bay. You can see the bay from here, you know, or the, the delta of the Napa River. And uh, it's like an air conditioning unit. So even in the warmest days, by about two or three, four, you get that breeze and just cools everything off. And then it's nice in the evenings. Almost every night here it really drops down into the 50s. So you get great color here and very soft tannins which is really cool. Perfect. Perfect. Um, what is next for you? Uh, wine, whiskey, wine, whiskey, wine, whiskey. I would say right now I'm having more fun with the new whiskey project. Just getting it started. Not licensed yet, so I don't have anything for sale. It's just the most fun to be part of a good old American bourbon or American whiskey. Absolutely. Um, been to Kentucky a few times, uh, you know, 
went to the Moonshine University School. Yeah, yeah I know Kevin Hall over there. You do? Well, oh, yeah. Known him for years. Um, had fun for a week there. Uh, it's been a, a great, great experience for me, and I'm, I just love it. Plus, I've fallen in love with bourbon, so I might as well have my own, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If I was up here, I, uh, I would make myself a little... Uh, little estate I would you know obviously grow some grapes maybe you know a couple hundred case production and you know a little copper pot still and you know I don't know that you could grow the grow the grains around here but um, definitely you know, you, know. You, you could buy certainly buy great corns and wheat and rye and all that easy, kind of stuff easily, yeah. but um, the, the darn problem with getting into the whiskey business from the start if you don't have enough capital to buy existing old stuff yep. it takes for goddamn ever to turn a dollar oh yeah so even worse than almost every other business you're oh talking, it's worse than wine sitting on inventory for decades sometimes Forever. before you have exactly to right and, and, uh, <laughs> um i mean i we were fortunate to buy a, a little bit of age stuff so we we've got a nice product where we can start with in about a year as soon as we get our license but that's um you need that darn time now. You're not too old. I mean, you could get into this business. You've got plenty of time. Oh, I've got time. Yeah, yeah. I have to say though, um, I enjoy what I do, which is basically travel around and drink, uh, not to excess. But uh, I mean, this is what I do. This is my typical, you know, day. Spinning it out with you know, great guy like yourself, drinking wine, drinking whiskey, uh, traveling around, and doing this. I don't know that I would want to get up at a specific time every day, hit the still, you know, go out, do the marketing. And I've worked with people. I do some consulting in the industry, uh -huh. and I've, uh -huh. you know, I've seen it, and I know thanks. Well, <laughs> just come and drink mine. I, that's Shit, you can help point. me put my blends together. Absolutely. I, uh, damn, we'll have some fun. Oh, absolutely. You should you should see the collection I've got. It's uh, scary to some people. They think I'm an alcoholic, but again, most of the bottles are full, so of course I couldn't be an alcoholic. Then you just sip them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I've done a little blending in my day. I helped uh, help some, yeah, help some people do their gin. You know, make it make a gin. Do you yeah. like gin? I do. Yeah, um, I do too. I'm a gin guy. It was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting experiment. Basically, this distiller out in the bay, just you know, working with him. You know, to, to produce uh, what he was looking for and get the get the nose just right. And, yeah. You know, that's gin. You know, a martini, a gin martini, yeah. with a drop of. What are they? Vermouth? Vermouth, yeah. Just a drop. Just a drop, yeah. Oh, man. Trouble is, gin makes me a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> bourbon is much better for my... I don't know why. I understand. I, can, I have two gin martinis. Oh, my God. Somebody can Life is good real martinis. fast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I... Uh, I'm a firm believer, as you know, this podcast has always been about hedonism and about the, you know, just the pleasurable just lifestyle. Fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and drinking so, good stuff. Yeah. You know, smoking good stuff, drinking good stuff, Drink, eating good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, and we I'm are so lucky to be able to do that. Oh yeah. I've always been a big believer in not just one thing. You know, so many people out there are just, oh, I only drink wine, and I've met them. I've met people who only drink whiskey and do only drink beer. Won't touch wine. Won't touch you know anything else. But you know, their IPAs and their you know their sours. Um, me, I'll, I'll drink it all, or at least I'll taste it all. You know what I like in my IPA? It's about one ounce of good bourbon. I, I love that. 
I can't drink an IPA hardly anymore without some bourbon. Cut that, uh, cut that hops a little bit. It yeah. Cuts the bitterness a little bit, yeah. yeah. And it, of course, it gives you a, a buzz a little quicker too, Absolutely. which is really quite nice. Uh, just like that, but it just—I just love the the melding of the flavors of it. I am uh, in Chicago about five, ten years ago. Um, everything came out was was aged. That was the big thing was aged. This, you know. Uh, beer was aged in Pappy Van Winkle barrels, and this was aged in this, and this was aged in that. I am kind of surprised that I haven't yet seen a lot of barrel-aged IPAs. I know technically throwing it in a barrel will take away that freshness of the hops, but I'm just surprised that It'll I haven't happen. seen it. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. the day my soul dies, I think. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and there's going to be some wonderful flavors. Yeah. But I'm so surprised that beer uh, can handle a wine barrel. Or a bourbon barrel. I mean, they, they can handle it. And uh, I always thought beer was so finicky, you know, that it would go off or bad or something. But uh, and some of them do, honestly, some of them do. But when you do it right, if you, you do pay it attention, right, it's wonderful. Yeah, we sold some barrels here, some cab barrels to a, a distillery or to a, a brewery, nice. um, and they're having good luck with it. Cold roll Cabernet, little beer, and laugh is good. Delicious stuff, actually. It, it, it gave it a nice middle, a little middle to the, to the flavor. And it wasn't, it wasn't whiny or anything. It just, just made your tongue smile. That's what the barrel does to me. It always gives it, it always ups the palate and gives you something yeah. that that you just weren't expecting. I mean, uh, barrel aged gin is a really big thing uh, in a lot of parts of the country. And, uh, I know about bourbon barrel. Does it color it at all? Uh, it depends on the barrel. Uh, you throw it in something like a Chardonnay barrel or you know, a bourbon barrel, you're going to get a little bit of a little, a little bit of color. A little color. Um, honestly, with the bourbon barrels, that whiskey just sucks up all the color, sucks up all the tannin, sucks up all that vanilla. Uh, but you know, throw a second or third fill, you know, bourbon barrel, and you know, throw some gin in there, and it's going to give you just this vanilla buttercream. You see where we're going with this? Yeah. Oh, we're hardly talking about wine at all, for God's yeah, sake. Well, you are the whiskey guy. Though. I am the whiskey guy, but I mean. To me, it's all, it's all relative. I it's mean, so much fun trying to find new flavors. Oh yeah. And the noses, don't you just love these noses nowadays? I do. Oh. Give me, give me a gin with orange creamsicle on it, and I'm in. You're in. Yeah, I'm in. Give that to me. Give me a wine where I can detect chocolate buttercream. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that we uh, had this. Uh, oh, we were over at Ancient Wines uh, a little earlier, and they had this Pinot. I think it was a uh, 14. Just mint jelly. Right on the Come top. On. Right on the top. Mint jelly. And I enjoyed it. I love herbaceousness in my Pinot. Uh, but it was, it was right there. I mean, it was for the grab. So uh, I don't know that a lot of people would have gotten it, but they would have just said, you know, herb or, you know, vegetal. But to me, it was just straight up mint jelly. Oh, you know? damn. Which tells me lamb chops. Lamb chops. Tell me up some lamb chops. Hell yeah. Pour me a glass of that. Hell yeah. You know, that's what I want. So, <laughs> well, John, uh, I think we're going to go in and taste some wines now. I hear yeah. uh, well, another I, party I, coming. So, it looks like we got 14 people coming. Yeah. All right.